Welcome to the program. My name is Rick Renner. I hope you had a great weekend. Today we're going to return to our subject, the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to begin by telling you a very funny story. Many years ago, a friend of mine was giving a group of Americans a tour through the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg, and they were taking pictures with their flash. And suddenly one of the museum guides came up and said, hey, 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 no flash, no flash. They meant to say no flash, but in their really bad accent, they said no flash, no flash. And from that moment until now in our ministry, we have a phrase, when somebody gets into the flesh, or they get into a bad mood, we say, no flesh, no flesh. My friends, we need to stop the development of flesh in our life and choose to walk in the spirit. And when you get in a bad mood and begin to behave really foul, just say to yourself, no flesh, no flesh, and order the series, which is called The Works of the Flesh, flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. You can really choose which one you're going to walk in. And the subtitle says you choose death permeated works or supernatural life giving fruit. We've been covering the death permeated works of the flesh, but tomorrow we're going to begin talking about the supernatural life giving fruit of the spirit. You should order this today. It's just jam packed. I know you cannot remember everything I've been teaching you. So you need to hear this and hear it again and be sure to order the study guide that goes with it. And we're also offering you right now, my daily devotionals, which are called sparkling gems from the Greek number one and number two. In both of these, there are one thousand Greek word studies. If you enjoy what I do with the Greek New Testament in these programs, you will just dive into these and love it because they are loaded with insights from the Greek New Testament. And don't be afraid of their size because these are just daily devotionals. You just read a little bit every day, but it will really take you to places in the New Testament you've never been to before. And I want you to have yours and you can order yours by going online or by giving us a call. And right now we're also offering you our new autobiography, which is called Unlikely, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. And at render.org, we're offering it at a radical, radical discount. So order yours today so you can begin your own unlikely journey. And remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you two books as our way of saying, welcome to the partner family. If you've been praying about becoming a partner, please become one today. Just go online or give us a call. You can immediately become a partner. And right from where you are, you can change someone else's life. And as a part of our family, we want to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness and my book called Life in the Combat Zone. We always give this to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family. And please remember that if you need prayer, call us right now or send us your email. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to get into agreement with Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, call unto me and I'll show you great and mighty things. We're going to call out to God in faith with you and for you. And God is going to do something great in your life. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Reach for your Bible, and today we're going to return to our anchor verse, which is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul says, This I say then 
walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I've already told you that these words, this I say then in Greek is lego day. The word lego means I say. It's very, very strong. And then Paul adds the word day, which describes something that is absolute, categorical, or emphatic. Paul's lifting his voice. He's saying, hear me, I'm going to tell you something absolutely true. This is emphatic. This is categorical. I say to you emphatically and categorically that if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And this word walk doesn't mean hit and miss it. Maybe one time a week or maybe on Sundays when you're in a good mood. This word walk means you can walk in the spirit all the time. That may sound impossible, but it's not impossible because God commands us to do it in this verse. The word walk is the Greek word peripatao. The word peri describes something that is encircling. It's a region. And the word pateo, which means to walk, when you compound the two words together, it depicts one who walks around regularly and habitually in one general vicinity. This is a person who lives in that region. It is where he conducts his entire life. That is the word that is used in this verse which means walking in the spirit is not hit and miss. We can live in the spirit. That's what this verse says. And Paul says it emphatically and categorically, walk, live in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I've told you that in Greek, shall not in Greek is u. May. The word ou is emphatic for no. The word may is also the word no, but when you put the two words together, it is a double negative. It literally means emphatically no. In no way will you fulfill the lust of the flesh, which means if you move into the realm of the spirit, you will not function out of the flesh realm. When you choose to walk in the spirit, you pull the plug on the flesh. Just say no flesh. Make a decision. You're not going to walk in the flesh. You're going to walk in and live in the spirit. And my translation of this verse, the RIV says, make the path of the spirit the place where you habitually live and walk. Become so comfortable on this spiritual path that you learn to leisurely and peacefully stroll along in that realm. Living your life in the spirit realm is the best way to guarantee that you will not allow the yearnings of your flesh to creep out and fulfill themselves. And then listen to how he describes what the flesh produces in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh. This word works describes labor or hard, hard work. My friend, what the flesh produces is hard. It is laborious. It is destructive. And the word flesh is the Greek word sarkos, which describes flesh, the carnal nature or base fleshly instincts. Then when you get to the next verse, Paul continues to say, now the works of the flesh are manifest. And now he describes them, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. But today we're going to look at the next four, envies, murders, drunkenness, and revelings. And we're going to begin with the word envies, which is the Greek word pathonos. Oh, 
This is such a horrible work. My friend, what the flesh produces is just terrible. This word pithonos, here translated envying, depicts a hostile feeling towards someone because he has something, an advantage, a benefit, a position that the other person does not possess but would like to have. It is a despicable feeling toward a person with a perceived advantage that is so strong the one who feels envy takes action to remove that person's advantage in order to pass it to himself. It is a kind of envy that is evil, sinister, and full of maliciousness, and I'll give you an example from the New Testament. When the Jewish leaders turned Jesus over to Pilate to be criminally tried in a court of law, Pilate knew they did it for one reason. They were envious. They were jealousy of the popularity that Jesus had gained in his ministry. We read about this in Mark 15, verse 10, where the Bible says, for he, that's Pilate, knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Pilate knew the real motive of the chief priests and the religious leaders. He knew the real issue. The chief priests felt, listen to this, threatened and insecure because of Jesus' popularity. And Pilate knew their insecurity was the driving motivation behind their action, demanding that Jesus be charged with a criminal offense and to be crucified. They wanted to remove Jesus so the publicity that had been focused on him would be shifted back to them. They were filled with pathonas, envy, envy so bent on retaining what it wants and getting what it wants that it's willing to move to some kind of destructive action. It implies a deeply felt grudge because one possesses what a person wishes was his own. And because the person has this kind of pathonas, envy, he begrudges what the other person possesses and is covetous of that person's belongings, accomplishments, relationships, or even titles in life. Every time he sees that other person, he inwardly seethes about his success. He deeply resents that other person's blessing and tries to figure out a way to get it out of his hands into his own hands. And in the example of the chief priests and religious leaders, they were so envious at the popularity of Jesus that they decided to get rid of the competition to kill him. That is the way this kind of envy, the Greek word pathonos, acts if you let it run its full course. It is so strong that it propels a person to take some kind of action, most often some kind of evil action designed to do away with a person who has the advantage. Now, what is really, really interesting is when you read the King James Version, it next mentions murder. But guess what? The word murder does not appear in the Greek text. It's not there. So we have to ask, why did the King James translators insert the word murder into the text if it doesn't appear in the original Greek? And the only possible answer is they perceived this envy to be so strong that it would even drive a person to commit murder to get what he wants. 
There are other examples of this word envy, the Greek word pithonos, that is used to depict a person who uses others as a stepping stone to get where he wants to be in terms of money, prestige, and power. This is an unscrupulous person who uses people to get what he wants. And I'll give you some examples that you may have seen at the work or maybe even unfortunately at church. For example, when a fellow employee or a believer tried to snuggle up close to you, but you found out later this person was only feigning friendship. In reality, he didn't want to be your friend. He just wanted to be close to you so he could befriend someone you knew. Mm. Or maybe he acted like your friend and you were so excited about it, but in the end you found out he really didn't want to be your friend. He wanted your job. He was using you to get what he wanted. And once he gained the advantage he wanted, then he dropped you like a lead balloon. This goes on in the secular world all the time, but it should not go on inside the church. This kind of behavior is hurtful. It is manipulative. It is unkind and it wounds people. It really makes people feel they've been abused and it cheapens the concept of friendship. But Paul listed this as a work of the flesh, and you can see how destructive that it is. But then Paul goes on and next mentions drunkenness. The word drunkenness in Greek describes strong drink or drunkenness or the consumption of wine for the sake of intoxication. I'm going to read to you directly from my notes. This was common in the first century due to many pagan religions that used wine as a part of their religious practices. For example, the religion of Dionysius. Dionysius was the god of revelry and the god of wine and drunkenness. And in the particular religion of Dionysius, the worshipers were completely inebriated. And due to their consumption of wine, they threw off all restraints and yielded themselves to the flesh. Nothing was off limits when they were drunk, plunging themselves into the most vulgar sexual excesses and unnatural acts. The participants breached every known moral code and committed the grossest sins possible, diving headlong into fleshly excess. While they were under the influence of wine, they yielded themselves to their fleshly passions. It caused the participants to surrender themselves to do what they would never normal naturally do. Mm. But the use of wine excessively was not just used in pagan religions. Pagans drank wine all the time so excessively that in some archaeological digs, they've even found homes that had underground storage units where wine was kept so when they were finished drinking, they could lower buckets into that underground tank to bring up the next load of wine. They drank it in public. They drank it in religion. They drank it in their homes. And Paul knew that when people yielded themselves to the overconsumption of wine, they lost their ability to think rationally, and it led to devastating circumstances. That's why Paul told us in Ephesians 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. That word excess depicts one who's lost his ability to save or to spare himself. He's lost control of himself. Due to his mind being altered by excessive alcohol, a person thinks irrationally, 
acts irresponsibly and commits acts of excess that normally would not even be a temptation under the influence of alcohol. He wastes his life, he squanders his money and desecrates his body because he is drunk and he cannot think straight. In that drunken state, his ability to think correctly has been suppressed and his flesh is released to do wrongfully, to express itself in ways that he would never do if he was not in a drunken stupor. In the New Testament church, believers were trying to be set free from alcoholism, so Paul told them to walk away from it. Do not drink. My friend, when you yield yourself to wine, it causes you to surrender to the flesh. Drunkenness is a work of the flesh. You cannot argue with that. That's what the Bible says. It leads to the works of the flesh. But then Paul next mentions revelings. What in the world does this mean? Well, it is a Greek word komos, but here it's plural komoi, and it depicts a festive procession or constant merrymaking. Constant merrymaking. Well, when you hear the word revelings, you probably think that it imagines drunkenness or street fights or those that are just running from one party, drunken party, to the next drunken party. But let's see what this word komos really means, which here is translated as the word revelings. Listen to this. The Greek word describes a person who can't bear the thought of boredom. A person who can't bear the thought of boredom and continually seeks for different forms of amusement and entertainment. This person is so afraid of being bored that he constantly contemplates what he can do next to be entertained. It can refer to a person who endlessly eats at parties or who seeks constant laughter. And of course, there's nothing wrong with laughing and having fun. The problem is this person is consumed with it. They're consumed with fun, with pleasure, with entertainment for constant eating. It pictures one who lives for the next meal. He lives for the next restaurant. He lives for the next movie or he lives for the next vacation. Don't forget that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, the Apostle Paul prophesied that hedonism would be prevalent in the end of the age. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 4, he described traitors, heady, high-minded, and lovers of pleasure. In the New Testament, this phrase, lovers of pleasure, describes those who live only for the sake of pleasure. They just live for pleasure. And the Apostle Paul said this would really be a sign that you're living at the very end of the age. But Paul included it in the works of the flesh because it is the attempt of the flesh to seek fun and to avoid responsibility and to avoid the seriousness of life. And if you let your flesh have its way, it will waste your time, waste your talent, waste your energy. You'll end up spending all your time watching television, going to movies, eating at restaurants, and in the end, you'll have nothing to show for all of it except credit card debt. <laughs> the flesh says, come on, it'll feel so good if you do this. You probably have nothing really to do at home, so let's find something to do. But let me tell you, friends, the truth is you have plenty to do at home, so much that you should never be bored. You could be reading your Bible, playing with your children, developing your relationship with your brothers and sisters, visiting your neighbors, volunteering to serve in some area of church, mowing your yard, learning to cook, cleaning the garage. 
reading a book, developing your mind. So the next time your flesh says, oh, I'm so bored, there's nothing to do, well, let me give you a suggestion. First of all, say, hey, no flesh, no flesh, and take a look inside your garage. You'll probably find something you need to do. Or look at the condition of your backyard. You might find something to do. Or take a peek into your clothes closet. You might find something that you need to do. I think there is plenty for you to do without you being bored. Your flesh may recoil from doing these things, but they are the things that you need to do. But the word revelings describes that attitude of the flesh to escape responsibility and to escape what you need to be doing. And my friends, if you'll do what you need to do when it's done, you'll feel like a champion because you overrode your flesh and you did what you need to do. Say amen. But we're told in scripture that you can make a choice to walk in the spirit. That's what Paul said. In Galatians 5, 16, this I say, then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. My friends, you can pull the plug on the flesh by choosing to walk in the spirit. And when we come back tomorrow, we're going to see the wonderful, luscious, godly fruit that the spirit wants to produce in your life. A life dominated by the flesh is a hard life. It is filled with excess, imbalance, extremity, laziness, self-abuse, hatred, strife, bitterness, irresponsibility, and neglect. The way of the flesh is the hardest route to take. But a life dominated by the Holy Spirit is filled with benefits and blessings. I'm talking about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Don't give way to the flesh and allow it to produce its ugly work in your life. In this series, The Work of the Flesh versus the Fruit of the Spirit, Rick Renner will show you how to identify the works of the flesh, how to stop yielding to the flesh, how to start yielding to the Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit nonstop, how walking in the Spirit can become your realm of existence. This powerful 10-part series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $20. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book Sparkling Gems from the Greek Volumes 1 and 2. In these books, Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate and uncompromising life with God in an easy-to-read devotional format. Each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies. Order Sparkling Gems Volume 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems Volume 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer. The series, The Work of the Flesh versus The Fruit of the Spirit and the books Sparkling Gems 1 and Sparkling Gems 2. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick and Denise Renner with our hard hats. Have to wear them. Because we're standing on our new land in Moscow where we're building the new TV studio. We built a big fence around this property and had to dig the ground out and then fill it with new soil. They've been leveling it. They've been putting in pipes and a French drain around the whole property. And very soon they're going to begin pouring the foundation for the new studio. And from this place, we're gonna film programs that are going to go into people's homes all over the world. They're crying out 
and they're saying, God, please send us teaching we can trust. And right from this place, can you imagine, Denise, in Russia, we're gonna be broadcasting the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world. It is so exciting. Thank you so much for being a part of the giving team to make all of this happen. And at the same time, they're also getting ready to move into the new building in Tulsa. They're getting it all ready. Wow, it is so amazing what is happening simultaneously on both sides of the world. But friends, it's not about buildings, it's about people. We're doing our part to take the teaching of the Bible into people's homes all over the world. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. That's our job. Our team is willing to do the work, but partners put financial fuel into the tank that enable us to do this amazing job. And thank you so much for being a partner. And if you're not yet a part of the giving team to make all of this happen, would you please pray about becoming part of the team to help us do this? We can do it. And together, we're really going to get it done. Oh, it's just so exciting to stand here on this ground, which was dedicated to the Lord. We laid hands on it, we consecrated it, we sanctified it, and now the building is going to begin to go up. And at the same time, we're moving into our new building in Tulsa and renovating it. It's amazing what can happen if everyone works together. And Denise, we could never do this by ourselves. But God has given us the most amazing partners. And because of you, we're able to do this. And I want you to know that when you're a partner with our ministry, we really mean it when we call you a partner and we're praying for you. And again, if you're not a part of the giving team yet, please pray about joining our giving team to cause this miracle here and the miracle in Tulsa to come to pass. And together, we're going to feed people the Word of God all over the planet. Thank you so much for being a part of this project. Well, we have spent six days describing the work of the flesh. My friends, you need to say no flesh. I'm not going to let the flesh operate in my life and choose to step up onto the high road and walk in the spirit. And we've seen in Galatians 5, 16, that walking in the spirit does not have to be hit and miss. You can live in that realm. And when we come back tomorrow, we're going to be again seeing the fruit of that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. It's going to be so wonderful. Do not miss tomorrow's program. But order the whole series, which is called The Works of the Flesh versus The Fruit of the Spirit. The subtitle says you choose Death Permeated Works or Supernatural Life Giving Fruit. I know that you want to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So order this 10-part series today, which comes with a study guide. Read the study guide while you hear it or see it, so you can really reinforce this teaching down deep inside you. And right now we're offering you my daily devotional, which is called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, Volume 1. It's called Volume 1 because there's also Volume 2. And in both of these volumes, there are 1,000 Greek word studies. If you have a desire to understand the New Testament, really made easy to understand, order these daily devotionals. And you don't have to read them all at once because it's a daily devotional. You just read a little bit every day. And by the end of the year, you will have gained so much new insight to the New Testament 
it will change your life. And remember that if you need prayer, give us a call right now or send us your email. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to pray for God to really move in your life. And Father, I speak a blessing to my friend in Jesus' name. I thank you that we can sit down together to study the Word of God and choose to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Renner Ministries is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through every available media to the uttermost parts of the earth. Discover the many ways you can help us make a difference in lives around the world with the Word of God. We invite you to partner with us in teaching, strengthening, and rescuing lives for the glory of God. Together, we can make a difference that will last throughout eternity. 